Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Soy Lucio, 
J.M. in the A.M. Bring it home. It's brand new from Eighth Day. Album is called Stronger, Closer, and that is one strong album, I'll tell you. That is amazing. A lot of great material on it. Brand new from Eighth Day here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Yaakov Shweki with Smechim. You heard um, Bowie done by um, Shlomo Katz. With Shamru, that was Yehuda Solomon and Company. Miami had Yala Yavo today after all is Rosh Chodesh. Yehia Chodesh Hazeh, same reason, Mayor Sherman with that selection. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 9th, the first of Kislev. Today is Rosh Chodesh Kislev. <coughs> Commemorating 80 years since Kristallnacht. What a different world we live in these days, thank God. We have to remember that with all the problems that we have. Erev Shabbos Parshas told those with candle lighting in New York, 423, very early, 423, very early, early, I assume everywhere, since now everybody's on standard times. So be extra careful in terms of the start of Shabbos, candle lighting in New York, 423. Monday's Veterans Day will be here, legal holiday, nonetheless, we will be here. Make sure to be tuned in. Um, this coming Monday, and of course, a lot of great programming between now and and when we get to a Monday morning, 43 degrees outside with 64% humidity, winds are northeast at 10 miles an hour. Afternoon rain with a high of 53. Then tonight, rain early and a low of 44. Another good reason to make sure to be where you need to be early today. It's supposed to rain. Partly cloudy for tomorrow with a high of 47 degrees. 65 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 43 in New York. As we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Weekly update just over an hour from now. Malcolm Holmline will join us. He's executive vice chairman. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Um, Rabbi Yudin, of course, and the Parshas Toldos coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. And plenty more between now and 9 a.m. At 9 o'clock, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two, brand new edition. This week she speaks to Menachem and Fagi Murray from The Circle magazine, Rabbi Dubin from kosherinstitute.com, and Alex Gold with Rachel Berg from Camps Dina and Dora Golding. A lot of guests, a lot of great stuff between 9 and 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, presented by our friends at Kedem, of course, followed by the video blog by Harry Rothenberg, which we played earlier in Bonus JM. It's brilliant today. And, uh, of course, all through the afternoon, the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. So lots going on. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night. Avrami hosts Rabbi Elias Zwickler has a Dvar Torah. Uh, Matis is coming Sunday with JM Sunday. He'll speak to Naomi Nachman, who's out with the brand new book. Um, Perfect Flavors. I wanted to make sure I got it right. Perfect Flavors. Naomi joins Matis on Sunday during JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And as I said, then Monday we are back here. So lots going on. Lots going on. Plenty to do. And uh, here we are on a Friday, a very busy Friday. At JM and the AM. The Ohel dinner is Sunday night. Hope to see you there. Ohel dinner is Sunday night. If you don't have your reservations in yet, ohelgala.org. Ohelgala.org for all the information you need.
All right, so that's the story. Rosh Chodesh morning, JM and the AM, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Hallel, or half Hallel, I should say. Um, a special Torah reading, Yalviyavo, half Hallel, special Torah reading, Musaf, Barachinavshi, and whatever your uh, prayer procedure calls for for a Rosh Chodesh morning. Eitan Freilach is next. You're listening to JM in the AM. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, hallelujah, it's a my 
Yeah. <laughs> 
Friday morning, jam in the AM. Rosh Chodesh morning with David Perlman and Modim. Ninth of November, a weekend where the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht is being commemorated. It's Rosh Chodesh morning, Rosh Chodesh Kislev 5779. Second day of Rosh Chodesh on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Toldos. Candle lighting time in New York. Listen carefully. Candle lighting 423. We're talking about a very early Shabbos compared to what we're used to. So uh, be careful in terms of getting where you need to be, when you need to be. And it's supposed to rain here this afternoon as well. So if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, leave extra time. 423, your candle lighting time. 423. Can't say it enough times. Want to make sure everyone is going to be... Uh, Okay, on this era of Shabbos. Uh, Monday is Veterans Day. We'll be here. Make sure to be tuned in. want to thank everybody who's commenting on the app. We do see the comments, the requests, etc. Can't get to everything, but we are trying our best. If you can't uh, get your request on today, you could certainly feel free to try Sunday with Matis, Monday with me. We'll be here Monday, as I say, even though it's Veterans Day. So you could try any of those methods, and uh, we welcome that 100%. Um, 43 degrees, afternoon rain, a high temperature of 53, 65 in Yerushalayim. We're at 43 here in New York, and this is America's one and only Jewish 
moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us in hour number two at 7.40 Eastern time this morning. Malcolm Holmline will join us. A reminder, Tamatora Flatbush in Brooklyn features by Dr. Jacob J. Schachter. Tomorrow night, 8.15, Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn. He is a brilliant speaker, and they have an amazing lecture series. Saturday nights now during the winter that was announced recently. This is the first one for this year. Enjoy it tomorrow night. Big shout-out to our friends at Bedford-on-Park. Bedford-on-Park. Delicious lunch, great dinner, incredible entrees and steaks, wonderful starters, salads, and soups. Chef Alex is ready for you at Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street in New York City. If you're at the uh, Stern College Open House this week, go to Bedford-on-Park on 34th Street and enjoy a great lunch or dinner. They're at 61 East 34th Street. They want to book your holiday party, your Hanukkah celebration, your end-of-year celebration for your staff and clients. BedfordKitchen.com. Check them out today. Golly, it's all Israel Army Radio is next. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן מאיה רכלין עם מה שקורה עכשיו. תגובות חריפות לתליית ראש החזיר בבית הכנסת ברמת השרון. יושב ראש הבית היהודי, השר נפתלי בנט, גינה ואמר לגלי צהל, זאת תוצאה של שקר ההדתה. מעשה נבלה נורא. קמפיין ההדתה במרכאות המדומיין מביא לשנאת יהדות והעביר אנשים מסוימים על דעתם. המעשה הזה לא מייצג את הציבור החילוני במדינה. ואפילו לא מקצתו. חברת הכנסת מרב מיכאלי מהמחנה הציוני התייחסה גם היא לאירוע וצייצה בחשבון הטוויטר שלה זה אגרוף בבטן לכל מי שמאמינה ומאמין בדמוקרטיה ובכבוד האדם ובחירותו. זאת חרפה. עובדת סוציאלית הותקפה על ידי מטפלת בעלת הפרעה נפשית בבית דגן, כתבנו ניר שוויד. נגד המטופלת הוצאו מספר צווי הרחקה בגלל ניסיונות תקיפה קודמים, לאחר שביתה הוצאה מביתה. אתמול בעת שהעובדת הסוציאלית נכנסה למכוניתה, המטופלת ניפצה את חלון המכונית בפטיש וניסתה לחנוק אותה. העובדת הצליחה להימלט והתוקפת נעצרה. יושבת ראש ארגון העובדים הסוציאליים, ענבל חרמוני, מסרה בתגובה כי בתחילת השבוע תיכנס ישיבת חירום ויישקלו עיצומים ארגוניים בעקבות האירוע. נחשפה מפת ההתחסנות של משרד הבריאות, כתבתנו עמית חדד. על פי הנתונים, שיעור המתחסנים בכיתות א' נגד המחלות חצבת, אדמת וחזרת עומד על 96.1% בכל הארץ. אחוזי ההתחסנות הנמוכים ביותר, בין 79% ל-85%, נרשמו בין השאר ביישובים געש, גינוסר, יצהר, איתמר, מצפה רמון ואבן יהודה. מעצר זוג הורים מהמרכז החשוד בעבירות מיניות ופיזיות במשך שנים ב-11 ילדיהם הוארך בשישה ימים. כתבתנו ליאס פילקין מעדכנת כי הוצא צו איסור פרסום על שמם של ההורים ופרטים מזהים נוספים. עורך דינו של האב החשוד מסר בתום הדיון, אנחנו נמצאים בשלבים ראשונים של החקירה, האב מחיש את כל החשדות נגדו ומשתף פעולה. צעיר בן 20 נפצע קשה בהתהפכות טרקטורון בשטח פתוח סמוך למושב בלפוריה בעמק יזרעאל. צוותי מגן דוד אדום בסיוע מסוק מפנים אותו לבית החולים רמב״ם כשהוא סובל מחבלות בגפיים. 
מזג האוויר צפויים גשמים מקומיים שילוו בסופות רעמים בנחלי הדרום והמזרח, קיים חשש משיטפונות. מחר תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות ובראשון דומה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת תולדות. בירושלים השבת תיכנס בשעה 4 ו-8 דקות, בתל אביב ב-4.22 דקות, בחיפה 4 ו-12 דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4 ו-26 דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב. בירושלים ובחיפה תצא השבת בשעה חמש ועשרים, בתל אביב בחמש עשרים ושלוש דקות, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בערב בשעה חמש ועשרים וארבע דקות. אלה החדשות שעורכת גל ויצנר בצוות ירושלים בן אברהם ונועם ברלכיס. J.M. in the A.M. Uh, let me just take this opportunity. I do this once in a while to just to just stop for a moment and remind all of us, including myself, that we just heard a newscast from the state of Israel that ended its newscast with the mention that it is now almost Shabbat Parashat Toldot. And here are the times that Shabbat enters, that Shabbat begins in different cities, and here are the times that Shabbat ends in different cities. If On this 80th anniversary weekend, so to speak, of Kristallnacht, if you would have told any of our ancestors that this would happen, and that 80 years later, in relative comfort, our brothers and sisters would be in Israel and living with uh, the conditions that, thank God, they have generally and that there is a newscast that will end with a mention of Parashat Toldot and the start and end time of Shabbat. I don't know what they would have called you if you would have said that. I don't know what names they would have come up with. They would have thought everybody's crazy. Sometimes when you live through a miracle, you don't realize what kind of miracle it is. Had to point that out. Rosh Chodesh Kislev, this month of miracles with candle lighting here at 423 in the New York area. On this era of Shabbos Parshas Toldos. Coming up, Malcolm Honline, 35 minutes from now, the weekly update. He is Executive Vice Chairman, the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Yeah. <laughs> 
Rabbi Silver sets sail, cruising all through the night. The guards at the door try to put up a fight. They said, ain't nothing here for you people to claim. Every single kid here looks the same. When he shouted these words, the kids came alive. They could see the parents right in front of their eyes. Grabbing the stuff without saying goodbye. Kicking and screaming, they started to cry.
אשת חיל מיצה, ורחוק תני ממכרה, בטח בא לבעלה, ושאלה לא יחסר. אשת חיל מיצה, ורחוק תני ממכרה, בטח בא לבעלה, ושאלה לא יחסר. הישארת השם, הייתי תהלל. הישארת השם, הייתי תהלל. תנו לה מפרי הדעה, ויעללו הבשר עם הזיעה. הישארת השם, הייתי תהלל. הישארת השם, הייתי תהלל. תנו לה מפרי הדעה, יהללו הבשר עם ישאירת השם איתית הלל, תנו לה מפרי הדעה, יהללו הבשר עם השיער. ישאירת השם איתית הלל, ישאירת השם איתית הלל, תנו לה מפרי הדעה, יהללו הבשר עם
J.M. in the A.M. Udi Davidi with Boi Kala here at J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh morning. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including uh, Yalav Yavo and Hallel. Uh, special Torah reading, Mosef, Baruch whatever your prayer procedure calls for on a Rosh Chodesh morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas told those 423 candle lighting. New York area, much earlier than we're used to, and I'm sure a lot of other places are much earlier than you're used to, so please be careful. 423 in this area. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. Sandy, before that with Aisha Schile, you heard Shema Yisrael, done brand new by Eighth Day. And the Benny Friedman, Visecha Zena, the brand new single opening up the set on this Friday Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Don't forget, all day long, we have amazing programming. Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is coming up at 9 o'clock. With Naomi this week, Menachem and Fagi Murray from The Circle Magazine, Rabbi Dubin from kosherinstitute.com, Alex Gold and Rachel Berg from Camps Dina and Dora Golding. Uh, it's all coming up during Table for Two today between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, presented by our amazing friends at Kedem. L'chaim to them. Um... Erev Shabbos music mix goes all day long. And at 1 o'clock, Harry Rothenberg's video blog for Parshas told us. We played it earlier during Bonus Jam. It's an amazing one this week. So kudos to Harry Rothenberg. Um, and as a and a, as a fellow father of multiples, because this Parsha obviously has a lot to do with twins, as a fellow father of multiples, I really appreciated your words uh, this week, Harry. So a big yeshikach to you. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. J.M. Sunday with Matis. Naomi Nachman is going to be joining him then about the brand new book, Perfect Flavors. 
And uh, Monday morning we're here. It's Veterans Day, but we are here between 6 and 9 with JM and the AM, so make sure to be tuned in. And I thank all of you for tuning in all through the weekend and, of course, all week long. 24 minutes after the hour, JM and the AM. Want to give a big shout-out to our friends at Bedford-on-Park. Delicious, elegant, beautiful restaurant, wonderful atmosphere, great bar, great menu. 61 East 34th Street, New York City. They want to book your holiday party now. Thanksgiving dinner with your family, book it now. Right there in Midtown Manhattan. Lunch or dinner this Sunday because you're going to be at the Stern College Open House, book it now. It's right across the street from Brookdale Hall on the Stern College uh, Barron campus. Uh, You want to impress everybody at a beautiful Hanukkah party, book it now. How about an end-of-year party for your clients and for your staff? Book it now. 61 East 34th Street, New York City. Your group will have an amazing time. Go to bedfordkitchen.com, bedfordkitchen.com. Make sure you mention JM and the AM and plan that party in Midtown Manhattan. You'll be glad you did. More coming up, including Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's coming up at 740 Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM.
David Dax with a Shabbos medley. Friday morning, it is Rosh Chodesh Kislev on the Sarah Shabbos Parshas told those very early candlelighting compared to what we're used to. 423 in New York, be careful no matter where you are because it's uh, much earlier in a lot of places because they switched to standard time, so be careful. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com if you want to print out hundreds or thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. You go to JewishWorldReview.com. Also, our friends at OnlySimchas.com will continue to utilize a lot of our content for amazing news stories from around the Jewish world. You should check them out every single day. Go to the news feed each day. It's uh, OnlySimchas.com, OnlySimchas.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning Rosh Chodesh Erev Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. I am I am drowning in topics. I don't I don't even know where to begin, frankly. But I guess can you send, can you send me a light preserver? <laughs> it's crazy, absolutely crazy. By the way, you'll appreciate this because of your heritage, meaning your family's heritage. Uh, apparently, one of my relatives has the actual um, travel document. Uh, my mother, at the age of twelve and a half, left, and I'm mentioning this obviously because of the anniversary of Kristallnacht, left Germany just before Yom Kippur, 1938. So those of you who do the math, we know we're now commemorating the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht. Uh, She and her family, one of the lucky ones, obviously, uh, that took place weeks before Kristallnacht. And as you, again, based on your family and obviously your knowledge of of the Shoah, uh, one could only, you have to shudder with fear when you think of you know, just getting out in time, just being, you know, able to go to the U.S. or wherever people ran to uh, just before the, uh, the Kristallnacht and obviously in the short period of time before the uh, complete shutdown of immigration. So as we commemorate 80 years, I thought I would mention that this morning. Well, first of all, I'm glad you're mentioning it because too few people are mentioning the 80th anniversary uh, of Pogromnacht, Kristallnacht, is a term that everybody uses, but it's not really appropriate because that was the Nazi term meant to to cover up, to diminish, uh, demean what actually happened uh, by calling it a night of broken glass, the image of crystal, uh, as opposed to what we call it pogromnacht, uh, pogrom night, when uh, unlike what the history books said, as you know, uh, we published these two volumes on the on what really took place on the Kristallnacht, the Beit Ashkenaz in Germany. I worked with them for 10 years doing the research, and in fact, many young German non-Jews helped us to visit every site, and we documented, as I said, unlike the history books that said 200, 225, 250 synagogues, which were numbers the Nazis put out as part of the propaganda to cover it, we have documented now more than 1,400 Wow. Just in Germany, not including Austria or Sudetenland, which were under Nazi control, but just the area of Germany under control November 9, 1938, and its aftermath, 1,400, were actually up to 1,700. But in the book, we document 1,410, and you can see the crowds around the synagogue. You see the fire trucks at the building next door to make sure that their houses weren't hurt, the, the uh, Germans, the regular Germans. And, uh, and and it's uh, a, an account of every community, sometimes just a couple of paragraphs on most. But I wanted there to be a, a, a something in English because there was no history, no record in English of these communities, both how they lived and 
unfortunately, about the deportations, and it's so fascinating to read it. And everybody from the president of Germany and Prime Minister Netanyahu told me that they couldn't put it down. They were so angry because they said we sat down to look through it, and it becomes almost hypnotic in, in attraction because you, you realize all what was really lost, how much was lost. Up from 1933 on, and there's a reason why I'm mentioning this now, after the Nazis came to power, they right away set about building concentration camps early on. And in the research for this books, for these, the, these two volumes, we found the names of thousands of Jews who had been killed before Kristallnacht, mm. but they weren't counted as part of the six million because they died before. And, uh, and often their ashes were sent back to a police station and they had to redeem it, or the body had to be redeemed in money by the families. And there are sections in the in the Frankfurt Cemetery, the one that is intact, uh, where you see that that the they were uh, they were buried. And the 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 significance is because after Kristallnacht, no one in Germany had the right to say they didn't know. Everybody saw the synagogues burning. Everybody. It was clear that it was an organized effort. So it was. The age of denial ended right there, and the, the fact that Macron now is why it's so contemporary. And my, uh, I mean, I believe Kristallnacht should be marked in every synagogue, every school, every institution. And I congratulate um, some of the project, Project Witness, and others that are doing a lot to try to promulgate the message. But you saw that that Macron, the prime minister, the president of um, of France. It is honoring eight of the commanders, um, uh, eight marshals, you know, field marshals who uh, commanded the French forces during World War One, and one of them is Pétain, the guy who headed the Vichy regime during World War Two. I mean, it's it is so outrageous, and the French Jewish community obviously is up in arms about it and uh, fighting it. But but they deported thousands, tens of thousands of Jews to their death. And um, and he was convicted by French uh, courts during the trial, his trial in 1945. And he was an active collaborator with the Nazis, and they went after the resistance and and gave the Jews second-class citizens, and they helped the Germans round them up for death camps. And and, and so we see that that even in France, which uh, Supposedly is, is has acknowledged their their um, their role and uh, apologized and everything. You see how history gets rewritten, and that, that somebody like Patan could be could be honored. Tell me about first. Tell me about the book. How do people obtain it? You can't obtain it. It's not it's not for sale. It was too expensive to to produce for for mass distribution. So what we did is we we made copies. I, I gave one to every member of Congress to present to the institutions. We gave. Obviously, to Israel, we sent to uh, Holocaust museums and memorials. So there have to be some libraries that have it. There are libraries that have it, and um, uh, we have a limited number of copies for institutions. Uh, I regret that I can't give. We can't make it available. If somebody wants to reproduce it. It's um, it, it's there. It, it um, you know the two big volumes. And if so, someone wants to do research based on it, uh, absolutely, con- make it contact available. you in and your there office. Are I mean, number of places right. that have it now. Um, you mentioned this, uh, the, the 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 murder of Jews and the redemption of their remains, um, uh, as you just mentioned at the police station. I mean, you know, just when you think you know everything about what was going on during that period of time, it's just incredible the 
uh, what they did to, to murder, torture, and demean Jews. And I'm not even talking about those they actually murdered, but their families, their relatives, their friends, etc. Just the whole thing is unbelievable. But I, I, I want to point out two things. The first is, you know, for those who obviously the collective Jewish pain about Pittsburgh and the point we made last week regarding, you know, Jews being you know, a synagogue being utilized to trap and, and murder Jews, um, you know, that, that's obviously not lost on any of us. Uh, imagine, and I'm not in any way, you know, minimizing what happened in Pittsburgh, you get my point, but imagine multiplying that by, by how many in one or two nights, you know, in Germany and Austria. I mean, it, it would be unfathomable to, to think of, you know, scenes like that, and I know that they're, you know, only somewhat comparable in terms of exactly what went on. But there were people who were murdered that night, no question yes, about it. almost 100. Yeah. And, but 30,000 Jews were rounded up and put in camps. Right. And countless businesses, uh, obviously the shuls and Jewish institutions, but they were uh, looted and broken into and burnt, and uh, many Jews in their homes. Uh, this Professor Schwartz that I mentioned to you, who uh, and I had an uncle who, who knew and was at his bar mitzvah, Great uncle that I didn't obviously didn't know him. He died in the Shoah, but he uh, they told me a story that his brother, who was the leader of a of an Aguda group in Nuremberg, opened the windows and threw the furniture out and made it look like the place had been vandalized. So when the Nazis came, they just passed by the house, <laughs> thinking that it had already been done. Unbelievable. And and he gave this is a side note uh, a package to their. A maid, a housemaid, um, to hold on to, and said, "You know, if they, anything happens to us, you keep these." And the younger brother, this Mayor Schmartz, was sent on a kinder transport to, to Palestine, and um, the, bro- uh, the older brother, they said, "We're taking you and your youth group to another city." The other city was Auschwitz, and they were all killed. The years later in Israel. Mayor Schwartz, who was the leading a leading scientist in hydroponics and other things, an amazing man, received a package. Oh boy! From the maid. Oh boy! And in it was the card attached to the bar mitzvah gift that my uncle, great uncle, had given to that boy before Kristallnacht. <laughs> and he waited for me at the hotel, and he said, "I know you come here on Friday nights, and I always look for you." And he said, wait here. And he went home, and he brought me the card. First time I ever saw his name in writing or anything. Just an amazing, to me, an amazing uh, personal, it brought it home to me so personally. Unbelievable. And I started this segment by mentioning my mother. You know, she was from Köln, and uh, with these deportations that you mentioned, 30,000 or more uh, during those two days, to, to, to say that her family could have been among them is not a stretch at all. And the fact that they were out in September of 1938, totally miraculous. And on top of that, something I mentioned earlier, Malcolm, and I I take the time during this segment because you know this is important, as mundane as it might sound. We played a, as we always do, we played a Galitzal Israel Army Radio newscast this morning. It ended with mention of, of Shabbat Parsha Toldot with candlelighting times in the cities of Israel, listing all the cities with their times, and the ending times of Shabbat, in all these cities of Israel. And if you would have told the people going through what we've just described 80 years ago that there would be such a thing and they'd be able to hear such a thing, they would never, ever have believed it. And as much as it's so hard to understand that you're living through a miracle when you're living through the miracle, we have to make sure to constantly point it out. 
Absolutely. It's, uh, I always marvel at it also. And in the morning when they uh, they open with a tefillah, and, and, and I just say, you know, it's so much that we take for granted. That, you know, we can criticize about a lot of things, but it, it's just really amazing. Unbelievable. All right. Um, we'll go to the midterms and get to some of the other things happening this week. Um, but I do remind everybody, your children and grandchildren need to hear a lot of what we just said in the last few minutes. Use this opportunity because it's now 80 over this weekend for Kristallnacht. As Malcolm points out, Progromnacht. Um, use the opportunity to pass all these important pieces of information along and, and make them come to life in whatever way you can. Uh, whether it's personal family stories like Malcolm and I just shared or anything else uh, that will make it more real for your family. All right, we know that Democrats took control of the House of Representatives in the midterms. Five Jewish Democrats, reading from the JTA, are set to chair key House committees, including f- three from New York. Jerry Nadler, Judiciary, Elliot Engel, Foreign Affairs, Nita Lowy, Appropriations, Adam Schiff of California, Intelligence, and John Yarmouth of Kentucky, the Budget Committee. I am assuming you are rather satisfied with all these choices. I, I will have to see the performance, but um, I mean, if you can take—I I don't want to go through each one of them. Right. But obviously, the the uh, the transition is going to be a very interesting one. And uh, let's say Elliot Engel, who has worked with Royce all along—I mean, they really did a partnership. It was a model of bipartisanship, and and so is um, uh, on appropriations committee, where Nita Lowy will be the chair. They're very staunch supporters. Those two have most direct impact on the. U.S.-Israel relationship, although right. uh, all of these committees can do many things, and many of the chairs uh, 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 can have uh, can have influence. I'm sure Jerry Nadler, the judiciary, there will be issues that will come up uh, that will impact uh, the community. I don't know, not so much in the foreign affairs area, uh, but budget obviously does. And we'll have to see how they, you know, they're not all the same. Right. Each one is, has their own approach and, and uh, views. What is troubling is that there are some people who are elected who, who are very hostile and who, even after the election, uh, one dancing with a Palestinian flag and, and um, says that their priority is cutting aid to Israel. Uh, we have people from the extreme right and extreme left that are of concern. But overall, I think, and as I said a couple of weeks ago here, that the new Congress will be as strong if not stronger, on on uh, the U.S.-Israel relationship. Uh, I just hope it doesn't end up in partisan politics, politics and the, the divisiveness that we've seen. Uh, I don't see any signs that it's dissipating, unfortunately, but I'm hopeful that it will and that they will uh, continue on, uh, to strengthen the relationship, to work together in fighting you know, extremism, Islamic, uh, the Muslim Brotherhoods, and all of the other Islamist groups and, and working together on, uh, a, on a large number of issues today that we face. And the, the instability in the Middle East increases, doesn't decrease. And to, we need a unified front in Congress to be able to stand up against, the, to, to be able to confront and deal with all these issues. And I hope between the administration and Congress, they'll be they'll find a modus vivendi to, to work together. There's too much at stake not to have it. And we we see the the increasing threat to the center of American politics. Although, uh, you know, it is. I don't think we're we're quite where Europe is, but we have to be always alert to that danger that um, the the movement towards the left or to to the right 
uh, diminishes the center where I think we've always largely been located. You um, alluded to Rashida Tlaib, the Palestinian-American who won the uh, Michigan 13. Um, I I don't remember a Jewish victor in any uh, election, local or or statewide or national, that has ever celebrated with an Israeli flag, so to speak. I I think especially on election night, everybody's an American. Everyone wants to certainly give the impression that they're representing everybody. Uh, So I I thought it wasn't just, you know, outrageous in terms of, you know, uh, what Jews or, or pro-Israeli pe- pro-Israel people might think of it, I thought it was just a slap in the face to the United States, frankly. Well, when you say that's your top priority, going after an ally of the United States, and um, and and you know what, when you look at the interviews with these people, uh, Cortez, others, what you find out is that they don't really know anything about the, the issues. They don't really discuss them in depth. And uh, and all those who cavort and, and, you know, give credibility to Linda Sassoors and others who continue along the same path, mouthing the same things uh, that they did before, and those who try to exculpate them and, and you know, deny it, it it's a reality. And, and those who, who stood with Farrakhan or the, the, any more, and those who would stand with David Duke and those who profess, uh, you know, alt-right and other views, they all should be held to account, and, and it's not just during an election. And the, this, is, this is the time when people should do voter registration drives, not a month before an election, but now, between now and the next election, which will be a presidential um, uh, on, the, on the national level. Right. And I think people should reach out to the new members of Congress, whether you voted for them or not, and if you think you like them or not. It's a clean slate. Start a new relationship build, invite them to synagogues, invite them to communities, prepare, talk to them, educate them. Uh, you know, you can't assume they know the details because they, many of them have not had experience in foreign, in foreign policy. I'm sure they haven't visited. Uh, they will all hopefully be given the opportunity to visit Israel, but, but in the meantime, to talk to them about it, to show them why it's a priority, and of course, your local concerns as well. Right. Um, the the may- I, I meant to mention this last week. The mayor of London is of the of the, is of the Islamic faith, correct? Yes. Uh, and and yet it was pretty. I thought pretty impressive. And frankly, you know, to his credit, um, you know, th- th- an effort to unify when he went, insisted on visiting a synagogue last Shabbos. You know, in the wake of what happened in Pittsburgh. So I, again, I don't know anything about his relationship with the Jewish community of of England, but at it's least close. He has a good relationship with the, with the men in the Jewish community. So that's got to be mentioned. That's uh, that's you know be, I'm sure plenty of people feared, you know, what would happen if he would be elected as as mayor of London if he is reaching out and and if people are establishing. Well, he has had a longstanding relationship since he got elected, uh, and he said very supportive things. Also, humor me for a minute. Am I right or wrong that Steve King, Iowa Republican at one time, was considered a friend of Israel? Is that not true? Well, there's no contradiction between saying things that are really offensive to Jews and sometimes being a supporter of Israel. Uh, um, I hear that. All right. So so if I'm under the impression that he was on the right side of the issues at times, it's very possible he was. It's possible. All right. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, at com on the Nachum Siegel Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We should mention Bob Menendez. I know there's you know all the stuff about him, etc. But the bottom line is he's been there in the past, right? He he deserves uh, a congratulations from us, right? Absolutely, he's been a very strong supporter, and he had a lot of support from the Jewish community in uh, New Jersey and from outside of New Jersey. 
uh, and uh, you know he was a stand-up guy all throughout. Even you know during the uh, years that uh, President Obama and the Democrats right. were in the White House, he was uh, always a consistent, strong supporter. And uh, Senator Gillibrand here in New York has an amazing opportunity with, I mean, in- an incredible number that she got. I think she had a bigger margin than Governor Cuomo had in his election. Uh, she has an amazing opportunity to to really do some great things in Congress, and we encourage her to be there for the community and to and to listen, as I, I think she's listened in the past, uh, to what our community has had to say. Uh, I think it's an, an opportunity. There were things that she has done that were troubling, and uh, when you have national aspirations, it depends what how you view the, the constituency nationwide, not just New York. I hope that she will... Uh, Burton and uh, be a staunch supporter and support some of the legislation now before the Senate. Uh, she did, I think, reverse on the BDS or, on the, or the anti-Semitism legislation in the last week or so. Um, but there are other bills that um, hopefully she will join support. Oh, and by the way, while we're talking politics, how about and giving kudos? How about kudos to uh, actress Alyssa Milano? who refuses to appear with people uh, in the women's movement until they condemn the uh, actions and the, uh, and the words of Louis Farrakhan. It's, I wish more people, including elected officials and members of Congress and former presidents who, who are pictured with him, not because they endorse their views necessarily, but they would not be seen with David Duke on a stage. They wouldn't be seen with others who, who engage in, in sometimes less serious uh, rhetoric than, than Farrakhan. And to me, the focus is not on Farrakhan, but it's but the, on those who who associate in any way with somebody who who says he's not an anti-Semite, he's an anti-termite, and the Jews are termites essentially. Uh, and and he goes to to Iran and and joins the uh, rallies about death to America. And he said, well, he didn't chant it. Of course, he was there. He didn't protest it. He was part of it. And I think this is, uh, you know, there has to be consistent standards. It wouldn't be tolerated in regard to other people. It should not be tolerated in regard to him. All right, a couple of things in the Israeli elections. First of all, the Jerusalem mayor runoff will be Tuesday, right? Yes, it'll be November 13th. And, I mean, anybody leading significantly, or we just got to wait and see what happens? Uh, I think you have to wait because, you know, a runoff is uh, different than uh, the general elections, although Israelis are uh, notorious for telling the truth to the pollsters <laughs> and lying at the poll right. that, <laughs> you know, you never can predict. And, you know, you have internal uh, divisions also, even, let's say, within the Haredi community, other communities about uh, about the support. Uh, Berkovich is appealing more to secular voters, but there are many in the, in the uh, even in the Orthodox community who have supported or indicated support, so it might be tighter, or you could end up with... Uh, uh, you know, a large um, if it's a large turnout, and and it could be a significant uh, difference between the two. Should I assume that the prime minister has not announced a preference for this runoff? I, as far as I know, he has not endorsed. He, obviously, Moshe Leon worked for him. Right. He did endorse uh, or appeared to endorse Elkin and and walked with him in the Shuk uh, on the Friday before the election, uh, and Elkin didn't make the uh, cutoff. Yeah, that didn't so work. So I think maybe now he's just sitting it out or. We'll Speaking of Israeli politics, Israeli police has completed its investigation into Case 3000, known as the Submarine Affair. Um, essentially, uh, there were members of uh, were public officials, business and senior executives directly or through business and private companies suspected of having used their connections to profit from Israel's acquisition of submarines and vessels from a German corporation. 
Uh, they've gathered sufficient evidence against Prime Minister Netanyahu's lawyer, confidant and relative David Shimron, as well as former Israeli Navy commander Eliezer Marom, to recommend indictments against them on counts of bribery, among other alleged crimes. And there are four others who are named in these indictments as well. Uh, on the winning side for the prime minister, he's not named. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not on, on that list. But could the fact that these six people that surround him uh, now are, are being indicted have a tr- have a big effect on the upcoming election? The election next year in, for prime minister. Yeah, I mean, we're even thinking that, you I know. I think it's the cumulative effect at the very least. And this is of a different character than, let's say, the the cigars or the other charges. And again, the prime minister was not named or implicated, right. implicated in this. Right. But people who sat in his office very close to him were. And I think it's the cumulative effect of this that people are tired of. You know, the many trials that are going on, and there's still investigations of him and the trial of his wife is ongoing. So I think that's really where uh, you will see the impact. And, of course, people will run because this is of a different nature. People, when it comes to the defense of Israel, and if people were, in fact, guilty, we they have only been charged and there's no proof. And there are some who say that the, the case is not as strong, but Mandelblit, who is a very credible uh, honest uh, and integrous person, um, the attorney general says that there are, there are serious charges. But again, it has to be investigated. And many of these cases don't end up in conviction, so we shouldn't jump to conclusions. But when it comes to to money from the defense uh, and the security of Israel, that has a special uh, raises special concern on the part of the populace. Right. Yeah, I get that. Also, I didn't even realize that you heard about these suitcases of cash going from Qatar to Gaza right. for Hamas. I, I didn't even realize that there were people in the Israeli government actually you know, claiming that prime minister, this could only have been done and only could have been arranged with the prime minister's knowledge. Is that is that feasible or is that far-fetched? No, it's not far-fetched because wow. um, Interesting. You know, the government, the Qataris have been working and coordinating with Israel about where funding goes. We don't know about all of this cash, but uh, I mean, I don't know at all where all the cash ends up. But in overall, uh, and this has been going on for some time, that uh, Qatar, um, you know, coordinated first with uh, uh, Pauli Mordechai when he was the military coordinator, and since then, and now a much more visible role uh, because the, you know the, the collapse of Gaza is not in Israel's interest. And uh, therefore, this money that goes for humanitarian, general humanitarian needs, um, Israel endorses and supports. The um, the situation there is obviously uh, not good for for the people who are not part of the Hamas infrastructure. The, the leaders live like kings and shop at beautiful malls, and you can see the real estate developments. But the people, it's very difficult, and and uh, increasingly they blame Hamas for it, not Israel. Uh, although then they're not becoming supporters of Israel, not waving Israeli flags, but they um, they realize that the kleptocracy that, that obtains there, as it does in the PA, um, has alienated most of the people. Yeah, unbelievable. By the way, last um, last Sunday I was at the uh, Chabad Shluchim conference, and uh, I was a proud guest of Rabbi Herson, who you know. And he is uh, from Brazil, and uh, many people were congratulating him because President-elect Bolsonaro in Brazil had declared that the embassy is going to be moved to Jerusalem. Now I see he's hesitating. Well, for one thing, he they came under uh, pressure, a lot of pressure, and uh, there's a visit that's taking place to Egypt, and I think President Sisi 
um, wanted to postpone it or cancel it or something. And um, I think that that was a reaction. But his son, the president's son, um, said that they will go ahead with the the move. Uh, he is a very he, he was long committed to it. He, right. he is, uh, I think, an evangelical Christian. Yeah. Uh, by Brazilian definition, too, and he, um, you know, he's a strong believer in it and wants to strengthen the ties uh, with Israel. Are you on your porch in the Poconos with those chimes going on in the background? It's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, how intimidating is it to speak at the Shulchan conference? A massive crowd like that. It's a very impressive. It it really draws out of you. It's it's magnetic uh, event. And when you see the terrific work that they do all around the world, and you see people coming from the most remote places, and anybody like me who travels, you know, the the first thing you do is look for a Chabad to, to know that you can find the food or, or a place to daven. And the, um, you know, there you see it it's concentrated with so many thousands of people. Uh, somebody, coming, it's, it's incredible. So, I'm laughing because somebody, based on what you just said, somebody tells me, somebody in Israel tells me this morning they're going to Cyprus for a few days to vacation. So I said, no problem, because according to the roll call, there's a shliach in Cyprus and there's a shliach in North Cyprus. So you're completely <laughs> covered. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. There are countries there I never heard of that are in that roll call. Well, actually, we met with the, we went to Cyprus and we had dinner and it was catered by the. Chabad office in Larnaca, wow. and um, and it's a real operation. They have a lot of people there yeah. uh, in the shul. Would that have been Cyprus or North Cyprus? That no, Cyprus. That would have been regular Cyprus? Yeah. Uh, North Cyprus is Turkish. The regular Cyprus is Greece. Oh, there you go. All right. A little uh, a little geogra- geography lesson here. Um, all right. So uh, tell me about the, um, about the sanctions. Uh, you had told us that this week, of course, was the deadline. It seems that pro-Israel... Uh, anti-Iran deal people, including the Prime Minister of Israel, are pretty satisfied with what happened. Well, they're satisfied, and um, and there are positive developments, even within some of the areas of concern. Uh, for instance, on the the sanctions area, you know, there was some anger exp- <clears throat> expressed that the administration uh, allowed some exemptions on SWIFT, which is the interbank transfer system, in brief, uh, in fact, it looks like the SWIFT will um, ban the banks, the the uh, deals with uh, Iran. Uh, there were some exemptions on oil imports, but even those countries are cutting back their uh, imports, despite the fact that they have a waiver. But the waiver is meant to give them enough time to to um, to transfer the sources to find alternative sources for, for oil. Also, because they will cheat anyway, so it's better to have a record and know where they are. Also, you don't want to have such a sudden cutoff that that it, the demand for existing sources of oil. Saudi Arabia, for instance, announced that they would uh, sharply increase the amount of oil that they're um, producing. So that would, you know, that will help fill in the United States as you know, is not only energy sufficient, but we, we do export oil, too, and we have uh, uh, resources uh, through fracking, through drilling, through other means to to uh, add to the amount. So it's a, an adjustment period. But I think overall the sanctions are going to be very, are very significant uh, and will have a, a strong impact. Has Israel gone ahead and already um, uh, struck with their military the Hezbollah rocket factories in Lebanon? Or are they just threatening to do so? Well, they don't really publish the information about 
most of the strikes that they engage in. They have made clear that they will uh, continue to um, uh, operate in the, the interest of their security, regardless of the presence of the S-300 anti-missile system. And we don't know the degree to which the Russians are going to interfere or operate or will put on public statements, but not... Um, uh, but not engage in private, uh, but not, but not in reality, uh, limit Israel when it comes to to re- to hitting these uh, shipments, which is in Russia's interest also. Russia does not see Iran taking over. They don't want to see Hezbollah adding to their resources. They they want to manipulate every situation. They take advantage of of every opportunity uh, for their own purposes. But the uh, but they don't want to see Iran. Uh, emerging as the dominant force in in uh, in Syria, and ultimately they are going to be um, pitting against one one another in terms of the long term uh, interests, I believe. So um, I hope that the Russia and Israel have an understanding, and that's why the Prime Minister and others have visited and talked to Putin. You know, he is. Um, I think he would have been more flexible in the response, but it was the military who had to cover up the embarrassment for the loss of the the, the military personnel on the plane that was downed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that dictated their harsher response. Started this conversation talking about uh, Jewish history in Germany specifically, and uh, a listener reminded me, I forgot to ask you last week, about the announcement by uh, Angela Merkel that she will not be uh, seeking re-election. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, with all the tensions and difficulties that there have been, she's been a great friend for Israel. The Prime Minister uh, expressed uh, expressed this uh, very clearly. Um, but uh, to me, the disturbing part is that this is further evidence of what I was talking about, as you know, for a long time here on the show, for a very long time, that my fear that you will not have another Merkel, you may not have another Macron, you, you, you in, or may, that the politics in Europe is becoming so divisive that those who occupied the center are are becoming dinosaurs, in, in, and the movement towards the uh, extreme left and extreme right is is becoming more and more in evidence, and the the immigration issues, all of these tensions, exacerbated. And my concern always is that I look at Europe to see possibilities and trends for the United States, even though I think the U.S. is different. I think the reaction to Pittsburgh should encourage us about where the American people are, that you had hundreds of vigils all over the United States, often places where you didn't have the big Jewish populations or significant populations. Uh, uh, the expressions that people reported to us on if coming from every sector, being stopped on the street, people crying uh, to them and saying, you know, don't judge us by that. Uh, so I think America is still different, but um, there are demographic changes. The, the nature of the constituency is different and is changing in the United States, and we have to do much more to reach out. In the old days, we used to build coalitions. I think it's time for us to do much more of that again. To to um, and, and we've always been involved in it, but I think it has to be stepped up, that we uh, build closer ties, that educate them about who the Jewish community, because they're getting now through the Internet all the lies, all the distortions, all the... Uh, um, revisionist history. Are we much better at it than our European colleagues, or they just simply are dealing with a different type of politician? 
Well, they're different. They're dealing first of all with different demographics. In most places, you know, they have smaller Jewish populations. You have historic factors that, that come into play. But you know, human nature is the same everywhere. It plays out differently. It's affected by culture, by figures in, of importance, uh, which is why we send those who can talk to young people, sports figures, and others to Israel just to see it, to do, not to whitewash it to anything. And every one of them comes back as, as strong advocates because, you know, Israel sells itself with its flaws. Yep. And, the, and the, the difference between what they, their image of what Israel was you know, an apartheid state, many of them told me, and they said, I, when I asked them, what is the biggest thing that you learn? They said, this is no apartheid state. They said how they were greeted, how, you know, uh, players of color and others, uh, um, and in Europe, the, uh, you know, the political makeup is different. A lot of the historic associations are different, uh, but we should not think we're immune from it. That's for sure. All right, way behind schedule, but very quickly, if possible, first impression, same question that the Jerusalem Post asks this morning, which will come first, the Israeli elections or the rollout of the United States peace plan? Uh, Well, there were reports that there was going to be some sort of a rollout in the coming weeks. I don't see the evidence that that will, will take place. And frankly, I think that if there's an election, they will be hesitant to, uh, to promote it. But in the aftermath of the election, they may want to have something like this um, that would a unify the parties. Everybody would be behind the peace plan if they won't agree with every aspect of it. Mm, good point. Right. Um, so we'll have to see how they judge the dynamic post-election. Right. And when you say that, you mean post-Israeli election, not post-the midterms here, correct? No, I mean both. Both, right. I mean, now, that both, we, now that we are post the midterms and because we have these really... Right, and the there. fear that if you do it before an Israeli election, it becomes a political football in yeah. Israel. Yeah. You know, that each party will try to outdo itself to say that, that this is not acceptable, that's not acceptable in the present climate. Second, you don't see any change in, in Abbas, any willingness on his part to really negotiate to come into serious discussion. So those are all limiting there and other limiting factors. But it's going to be, a, I think, a, a call that the administration has to make about when they feel it's really the most timely and most impactful and will not harm the long-term prospects of its success. Uh, 80 years is a blip in history, Malcolm. We have to remind our children and grandchildren what's happened 80 years ago, in the past 80 years, and the situation that we have today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Use this Shabbos. Yes, have a wonderful Shabbos, and I thank you. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Toldos. Pasha's Toldos, we focus on the life of Yitzchak, the transition between Avram Avinu, who dies at the end of Chayesara, and bringing us to next week's Pasha, where we focus on Yaakov till the end of the book of Bereshis. Before I focus on something at the very beginning of the Pasha, just let's address for one moment quickly, how could Yitzchak make the mistake of wanting to bless Esau? 
I just want to share with you very quickly to enhance your table talk tonight, tomorrow. Take a look at the two brachos that we find Yitzchak giving. Let's assume that he really thinks he is blessing Esau. The first bracha, and this is in chapter 27, Pasuk 28, Shishi, V'yitin l'cha lukim, he gives the bracha of materialism, prosperity, success, nothing of a spiritual nature, nothing, no mention of the land of Israel, no mention of Birkas Avram that he's transmitting to his son. At the end of the parasha, when he knows he's talking to Yaakov in chapter 28, once again, V'yiten l'cha, but here it's a very different V'yiten l'cha, chapter 28, Pasuk 4, V'yiten l'cha is Birkas Avram, the Rishtachot's Eretz Megorecha, there he gives the land of Israel. There he gives the special Birkas Avraham, the bracha of spirituality. Yitzchak wanted to forge a partnership between his two sons that each one should be able to contribute their character. Esav, the man of the world, Yaakov, the man of spirituality, and they would complement each other. In this case here, mother knows best. She knew the nature of Esav. She would not allow such a partnership. And therefore, as we say, the rest is history. I'd like to focus, however, on the very beginning of the parsha, And the Torah tells us in the third Pasuk, and I'd urge you, bring the Chumash to the table and see this and see if you could be troubled as well by what troubled the Rabbeinu Bachaya in his commentary on this Pasuk. The Torah tells us in chapter 25, Pasuk 21, Vayatar Yitzchak Lashem Lenochach Ishto, that Yitzchak, Unclus translates Vayatar as Vitzali, and he prayed. Oscar translates entreated. Again, he begged prayer. Lashem Lenochach Ishto. Yitzchak prays to Hashem because of his wife, Kama, Ki Akorahi, because she was barren. They're married 20 years. They don't have any children. So now, says Rabbeinu Bachaya, what should the Torah have said? The Torah should have said, Rivka Haisa Akara. Put down first, the Rivka was barren. And then, in response to her barrenness, what does Yitzchak do? Vayetar Yitzchak Lashem That's not what the Torah says. Says Rabbeinu Bechaya, take note of what the Torah does say. The Torah puts the prayer before it tells us why he prayed. The Torah is telling us that the end, the important part is the prayer. Hashem wants Yitzchak to pray. Now, the only question is, 
what's going to be the means to get Yitzchak to the end. And the means in this case here happens to be the barrenness of Rivka. To use the words of Rabbeinu Bachaya, there's an Ikar and a Tafel. There's the primary and the secondary. Uma, and I quote, Shehiktivat Fila, the reason why Tfila is put first, prayer is put first in the verse, Yitokhin Lomar, Shehiktim Ikar, that the Torah is teaching us what the primary is. And therefore, the intent of the Pasuk is not that the barrenness should be the cause of the prayer, but because that would make the barrenness primary and the tefillah would be secondary. But just the opposite. The intent of the Pasuk is to teach us that the tefillah, because Hashem wants prayer, now he needs a cause for the prayer. The cause for the prayer happened to have been Akrus. Now, you can ask a very basic question. What does that mean, Hashem wants prayer? Hashem doesn't need anything. Who needs? Man needs. So I take you to the Gemara in Yevamos, Samach Dalid, Amar Aleph. Why were our forefathers infertile? Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, all were Akoros. Why? Hashem literally craves the prayers of the righteous. Why? Because through prayer, man enhances, improves, gets to the essence of his character, and more, his very purpose for being in this world. The Mishnah in Avos teaches us, in the first chapter of Pirkei Avos, Shimrat Tzadik Tuat, Ho'olam Homeid. The Jewish world stands on a tripod, Allah Torah, Allah If we're going to be honest with ourselves, Torah, we understand. Without the 613 mitzvot, without the written law, without the oral law, we don't have Judaism. Gemilus chasodim, without the Jew emulating God in being rachum, chanun, kind, merciful, Again, we are lacking the very identity of the Jew. But tefillah? Come on. Do we really look upon tefillah as the very essence of what it means to be a Jew? Or do we unfortunately look upon tefillah as a means to an end? I need something. How do I get to that which I need, I pray for it. But it's almost like the prayer is a reaction. And that's what Rabbeinu Bachaya says, no, no, one should not, God forbid, look at prayer in such a way. And when I was privileged to study the Siddur, Rav Kreiser 
Seichat Tzadik Levracha, told me that in the very first bracha, we say Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. What does that mean? It means Hashem had a personal relationship with each of the Avos. And each person, every one of us, when we dive in the Shemona Esrei and we say those six words, Hashem, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, after that, we are to pause for a moment and put in your name. Each and every one of us is to come to realize that we are privileged to have a relationship with Hashem. And a personal relationship with Hashem. And it is through tefillah that we can enhance that personal relationship with Hashem. The Mabit, in his Sefer, asks, Oh my goodness, we davened yesterday, we davened last week, we davened last year. Are we not being a nudnik when we come to Hashem with the same request three times a day, day after day? And the answer is no. Number one, our coming to Him and Him alone establishes that relationship and reminds us that He alone is the one that can grant the request and this gives me, once again, that personal relationship with Hashem in order to get that request. And so, what do we find at the beginning of Sefer Bereshis, in the beginning of chapter 2, when the Torah describes what was doing on the land? So, the Torah says in chapter 2, Pasuk 5, that nothing had grown. Why? Because Hashem had not caused it to rain. Why? Because there was no man at that time to literally work the ground. Now what does it mean, la'avod? So there are two understandings of la'avod. La'avod, literally, to work the ground, and la'avod, as we say, avoda, the relationship between man and God. And Rashi quotes on Ein Adam, Adam ayin la'avodis ha'adomah, Ein makir betovosan shog shamim. There was no one to appreciate the good of rain. Ukshaba Adam, only when Hashem created man, v'yoda, a man understood that these are the rain is necessary for the world. His Adam Arishon prayed for the rain, the Yordu, and the rains came down, and only then Ilanos did the trees, did vegetation blossom and grow because of man. Hashem wants man to be part of the process, to pray for it to happen. How important is the prayer? So if you look in the Ramban, 
at the end of at the end of Parshas Bo, the Ramban tells us very sharply, and I quote that Kavanas Kola Mitzvos, the intent of all mitzvos, are Shanaamin Belokinu. We should believe in God and know a love. We should give thanks to Him, acknowledge Shehubra'anu, that He created us. And this is the whole purpose of creation, that man should have a close relationship with God. There's no other reason for creation. What does God want from us down here? Milvad, except that man should know the Yodeh, give thanks and, and appreciation, Lelokov to his God, Shibra'o, thank you Hashem, Mode'ani, but it's not enough if you say it just once in the morning, I have to say Modim in the morning, I have to say Modim at Mincha, I have to say Modim at night time, because there are so many distractions, wherever we turn, whatever we do, etc. And therefore, the kavonas, the intent of Romanus HaKol Betfilos, that our prayer and kavonas bote kinesios, and the purpose of our going to bote kinesios, to the synagogues and shuls, uschus tfilas harabim, and what's the whole purpose of our coming with a minion and praying together, Zehu it is, says the Ramban, that there should be a place for man to gather once again, and give thanks and recognition, that God created us, and God gives us the ability to function, etc., and that we should proclaim, proclaim to God, we are your creations. Prayer is most significant. And this is what we learn from the Ovos. The Ovos prayed. We are to pray. The Ovos had a relationship. We are to have a relationship. And so, each and every one of us should look at some of the challenges that we have in life and whatever it is, we pray it should not be. It should not be a sickness. It should not be parnasa. It should not be a shidduch. But whatever it is, understand that all these are, not simply gamzu letova, all these are the means to what? Get us to pray. Because that is the ikar. God wants our prayers. He wants a relationship with us. And He sends the different causes to help us achieve that end. I pray that as a result of our a greater understanding of Parshas Toldos Vayetar coming before Ki Akorahi, our own personal Tfilos will be enhanced, knowing that prayer is a two-way street. We need Him, but He anxiously awaits our prayers. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. with Ohad Levado from the brand new album, B'Shah Tova. Friday morning broadcast. It's J.M. in the A.M. on this Rosh Chodesh morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas Toldos, candle lighting at 423 here in the New York area. Don't forget, great programming all through the day. Naomi Nachman is coming up next. She has three segments. Uh, Menachem and Fegi Murray from the Circle Magazine or by Dubin from KosherInstitute.com. Alex Gold and Rachel Berg from Camps Dina and Dora Golding, all part of of Table for Two between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, presented by our friends at Kedem. Uh, oh, and Yoichi Herzog commented on the app that a friend of his won a big election in Maryland on Election Day. Congratulations. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. JM Sunday with Matis, 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday morning. Naomi Nachman is going to be joining Matis about the book Perfect Flavors. Monday, we're here. It's Veterans Day. Monday, we are here, 6 till 9 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Even if it's a legal holiday, we are still here at JM in the AM. How do you like that? Benny Friedman's next. Good morning. It's JM in the AM. As Tate Mame in the Junge Jordan, seinen Hossen und Kalle geworden, seinen sie herein zum Reben, sein Broch ist zu nehmen. Und Otte, die Broche, Otte Rebbe, sie gegeben. Mach lichtig und warte mal um sie. Warum sich lichtig und warm? Wetter Ewester war ja, ich mach ein Lichtig. Lichtig und warm war ja. Mach lichtig und warm, warum sich? Warum sich lichtig und warm? Wetter Ewester war ja, ich mach ein Lichtig. Lichtig und warm war ja. Warum sich lichtig und warm? Der der war ja, ich mach ein Lichtig. Lichtig und warm war ja, ich mach Lichtig und warm war ja, ich mach Lichtig. Lichtig und warm
Benny Friedman, Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh, JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman coming up next with Table for Two. Keep it at the Nachum Single Network all day long. And by the way, our data is showing people are keeping it all day long, especially on Friday. Amazing music, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, Harry Rothenberg with an, a brilliant Parsha vlog on uh, Toldos today. It's coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, just a whole bunch of great stuff. Uh, make sure to be tuned in all through the day, all the way until uh, candle lighting time. You'll be glad you did. It is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. Spend the day together 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, here we are on a Friday, wrapping things up, and a reminder, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is next, and the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. Thank you to Mark Zamek, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music mix all the way until candlelighting time. And uh, Harry Rothenberg in the Toldos video blog coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's always worth it. Today is amazing. Take my word for it. Um, Matis on Sunday. Tomorrow night it's Avrami with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on Saturday Night Siegel. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep it on NSN all through uh, the weekend till candlelighting today. And, of course, after Shabbos tomorrow night. Monday is Veterans Day. We will be here. Make sure to be tuned in. My thanks to all of you for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Guten Chodesh. Great weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.